0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, "Do you think that because these Galileans suffer, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans?" No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the true and living God, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In Jesus' day, it was a common understanding that if somebody was suffering or if somebody had some kind of terrible disease, it meant that they had done something wrong, that they had sinned, and that. Therefore, they deserved that, and it was their punishment. And we still have a form of this today. We still have the sense that when good things happen, it's a reward, or if something not good happens, it's some, uh, some punishment for something we maybe did. You might say after something good, oh, thank God for this thing, this reward. And then when something terrible happens, you might say, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Uh, the writer Anne Lamott gave a talk a few nights ago and got to hear her. It was here locally. And if you know Anne Lamott, she is salty and also very spiritual. And she writes memoirs as well as novels. And she was talking about book publishing and, to a large group of people. And she said, you know, those who buy from independent bookstores, they're going to have the best seats in heaven. <laughs> We think in these terms, but God is not like Santa Claus, keeping a list and checking it often and doling out favors accordingly. Rather, we know that sometimes things come in spite of what you would expect to be the case, and there is a theological word for this, a deep challenge actually to all of us who think about God this question in the fancy theological term is called theodicy and what it means is if God is all good and God is all powerful how then there how then can there still be evil in the world how can God allow that to happen another way of putting it is why can good thing uh, how can bad things happen to good people? And Jesus doesn't give an easy answer to this, but he does point out what's going on with the people with bringing these stories up to him, and they talk about the Galileans who suffered so terribly. Um, this is, it sounds like a historic thing that happened, though we have no record aside from the Gospels of what happened, but. There were some Galileans and they were bringing their sacrifice to offer sacrifice, this a virtuous thing to do. And they were going to sacrifice these animals, and Pilate had them murdered, and their blood ended up being mingled with the animals that they were going to sacrifice, a shameful and a horrible way to die. And Jesus says, "Did they sin worse than other Galileans? Then he brings up the other incident where a tower was being built and the people building it had the tower collapse on top of them and 18 died. They were, Galilean, uh, they were Judeans and Jesus said, did they sin worse than other Judeans from Jer- Jerusalem? And then Jesus tells a story. He tells a story about repentance Remember, repentance is what John the Baptist has been proclaiming, and it is what Jesus proclaims as well. They share this call to repent. And the word repent is not about just feeling guilty and, and leaving it there, but repentance is about the turning. In, in fact, the word is metanoia in the Greek, which means to turn your heart, to turn your life. Repentance is therefore Life-giving. And so this story about repentance is about a fig tree. The fig tree has been nurtured for three years. But the owner of the vineyard comes and sees that it still hasn't borne any fruit at all. And the owner of the vineyard says, it's time for this tree to be cut down because it's wasting resources. It's not making good use of this good soil where it's planted. But the gardener stops and says, no let it alone, give it a little more time, I will nurture it, I will give it the nourishment that it needs and we'll see what happens. And that word that he uses, let it alone, in the Greek, it's the same root as the word forgiveness. If we were reading it in the Greek, we would also notice that Jesus has just taught the people, just before this, he has taught the people how to pray with the Lord's Prayer. And we would notice that the word forgiveness is being repeated now. So it's a moment for the tree of grace and of mercy. But it matters that the tree does begin to produce that fruit. So there's a cartoon that I saw recently. I think it was in the New Yorker a few days ago. uh, Which is sort of a sign of the times right now. And one person is saying to the other person, last week, I was in expert epidemiologist. (laughs) And this week, I am a foreign policy expert. (laughs) And we have to be careful here in this area, because if you speak out what you think you might be an expert as, you will probably have somebody who is an actual expert here in the room with you. But I think we can say, looking at what is happening right now, rarely have we seen something that is such a clear violation and such a wrong as the invasion of Ukraine right now. And you might ask yourself, as you watch these terrible things unfold, you might ask yourself, who actually has it worse? The Ukrainians who are having their homes destroyed, their livelihoods destroyed? Children are dying? the suffering that they're enduring, and yet they know who they are? Or is it the Russians, who are letting themselves become agents of evil? And there's the question, did the Ukrainians sin worse than other countries that aren't facing this sort of invasion? And of course, we know that answer. Of course not. When I was in college, I joined a choral group, and we actually sang music from uh, the Slavic traditions. We sang much of our music in church Slavonic because it came from the Russian Orthodox Church. We also sang folk music. We sang songs in Ukrainian, in Georgian, in Bulgarian. And uh, I I will confess, it it was an unusual group, and I didn't join it for virtuous reasons, but I felt it was the only group I could get into. (laughs) Probably true. But it was a mind-opening and a heart-opening experience for us to be singing this kind of music. And interestingly, half of what we sang was religious, but it wasn't a religious organization. It was a spiritual experience for all of us who were singing. But the reason we sang the songs from the church, the hymns from the church was that they were not allowed to be sung back in the homeland, in the Soviet Union for many, many years. And when I was in the group, the Soviet Union had recently fallen. It was a poignant time. And so we worked very hard. We, we did tours up and down the East Coast and raised money so we could send ourselves. That summer, my first summer in the group, we sent ourselves to Ukraine. And we traveled for two weeks, first in Kyiv. We also went to Kharkiv and Yalta and Odessa. And when I look at the images on the screen and the newspaper, I'm trying to imagine the cities that I remember could possibly, it's hard to imagine that they are possibly the same cities that we're seeing being destroyed. One of the unforgettable parts of those trips, or that particular trip, was being in the old churches, these churches that had been through a lot and had battle scars already. And we would sing these hymns to God with the Ukrainians around us. And today, I'm thinking about those places and wondering what it's like for them right now. And then remembering that there are Eastern Orthodox people of faith praying On both sides of this war. And isn't it interesting how at a time like this, when you are on one side or the other, the assumption is that that God is on your side. Imagine being God, having the people praying at the same time. But the thing is, it is a lesson about what prayer really is. Because God, again, is not like Santa Claus, just doling out the things that we wish for. Prayer is about something more. Prayer is not about convincing God to give you what you think you want, nor is prayer about trying to charm God into being on your side. Truly what prayer is, is a means for us to get onto God's side. It's been said Prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. It helps us turn. It helps us turn our hearts and turn our lives. Metanoia, repentance. So back to that fig tree. What if we are the fig tree? And what if the word we doesn't just mean whatever group that you or I may be a part of, but what if we is expanded to be all the people of the whole world? And what if we together are that fig tree that is not bearing the fruit that God desires, and yet still is promised the nurture that God will give? And that word, let it alone, forgiveness. But it's important that we do get it together. Looking at humanity right now, if you look in one direction, you may see horror. And if you look in other directions, you may see loveliness and worthiness and courage, inspiration. That potential for both is in every community, in every land, and is up to us to choose. And even with the failings of the greater we of the world, of the whole human race, God hasn't given up on us. God has not lost hope that we might turn and learn to bear good fruit. Amen.